0: A few years back, the news of what was about to happen rocked the world. People were stunned. People didn't know how they were going to go on. People didn't know if they could handle a life without this. Because Twinkies were going to go away forever. (laughs) Twinkies were done. Twinkies were not going to be anymore. And people were trying to figure out how they were going to cope in a world without Twinkies. And so it was was, of course twinkies ended up coming back but it was with great surprise that the other day i was presented with this hostess twinkies maker now you can bake twinkies at home as if this is going to put my life together for for some great greater purpose but i'm going to give this away today i'd like to give this to anybody who'd like to give this a try Uh, i don't want anything in return please don't make me a twinkie Uh, I don't really go there anymore. Last Twinkie I ate, I was probably about nine years old, but I ate a lot of them when I was nine. So who would like to take home this Twinkie? Come on, come on, come on up. Okay, I was hoping for a a young person. Okay, give this a try, okay? And then email me and let me know how that worked, okay? Michael at springbranch.org. Okay, so just, uh, just to complete the Twinkie portion of our service, Twinkies, Twinkies. Uh, Twinkies. Who wants Twinkie over there? Oh, there goes Twinkie. Uh, I don't think this will go this far, but we're going to try it. Ready? Whoa! Okay, the excitement of Twinkies at church. Uh, but the reason, the reason I bring that up is because a number of years back, I did a sermon, and, uh, and the, the, the title has always stayed with me. Twinkie Theology. Twinkie theology, it's, it's taking what should be real biblically grounded theological truth and it's, it's fashioning it sort of like a, a Twinkie. It's, it's okay, maybe it's all right, I don't know, but it's kind of fluffy and creamy. makes you maybe feel a little better for a while, but it's not going to last. It's not going to take you the distance. And Twinkie theology ends up getting in the way of, of breathtaking living. Twiki theology is always about cheap grace. Twiki theology is not realizing the cost that God paid for your life and not realizing that every single day. Twiki theology is not being all in. It's not living, breathtaking moments. It's kind of fashioning God the way you want God to be. It's kind of holding God off at a distance, getting, getting a little bit close to him, but not too close because he might demand something from you that might be let me tell you the story that got me into today, a breathtaking story from a friend of mine. His name is Bill Hybels. So Bill Hybels is sitting in a diner, and he's working on a sermon. And sometimes it's, it's okay to do that. You need a little distraction to even keep you even more focused. And so he's got a cup of coffee, he's got a sandwich, he's in a diner. There's the clatter of the place, there's the smell of coffee, and and there's a waitress that's been trying to take care of him when suddenly he notices, notices that she goes over and stands off to the side of the counter and she takes a phone call. And as she takes the phone call, he notices that her face falls, her eyes tear up, her shoulders sag a little bit. And she puts the phone down, and then she gets back to filling up cups of coffee and everything. And it was at that moment that something happened. God spoke into Bill's life. Bill, you're writing a sermon right now, but your sermon can wait. Here is a woman under a lot of pressure, so just stop what you're doing and change direction. Write her an encouraging note. Write her an encouraging note on a piece of sermon paper. God's whisper seemed pretty clear. And then it happened. Oh, and Bill, leave her a breathtaking tip. I swallowed hard and prayed, "Uh, God, what exactly did you mean by a breathtaking tip? Is it like, this is a funny part of the prayer. Is it like 30%? Is it like 30% of my coffee and sandwich? Then God said clearly, leave her $100. Leave her $100, Bill. And then he thought, yeah, 100 bucks. That was breathtaking, all right. And so he was obedient to God's whisper in that moment. That's one of the things I, I really appreciate about Willow Creek has always, always taught us to, to listen to the, to the whispers of God and, and go in those directions that he tells us to go in. And so Bill, having lived his whole life that way, has a hundred dollar bill in his pocket. He pulls it out, puts it down, puts his coffee cup on top of it, and he leaves. Fast forward a few weeks later, he goes in, He's probably not thinking a whole lot about what happened a few weeks ago, but she sees him. The waitress sees him. She comes over and hands him a note and says, please read this later. Later on, he opens it up. You will never know what your note and gift last month meant to me. That morning, my husband served me with divorce papers. He controls all of our money, and he took all of our money and our only car. That day was one of the worst days of my life. Then I found your note and your financial gift. It just reminded me that God is faithful and he will take care of me. Then Hybels writes in his book, Simplify, when you're spiritually and financially reconciled to God, you get a front row seat to watch God use your resources like this. When you're spiritually and financially reconciled to God. You get a front row seat to watch God use your resources. Watch God use you like this. If you ever had a front row seat, it's, it's an amazing seat. You're right there on the field. You're, you're just about, you can, you can hear uh, just the, the, the breathing of the players. You're right there at the edge of the court. You can hear the, the squeaking of the sneakers. You're right there at the edge of the stage. You can see the sparkle in the eyes of the actors. Being in the front row is a great place to be, and God has this desire to put us on the front row through breathtaking moments so that we can see what it means when he's at work in us and through us. Giving is about whispers. Giving is about unexpected moments. Giving is about breathtaking responses. How do you hear God whisper to you? How do you engage unexpected moments when it's just right there in front of you and you didn't didn't expect it? How is your life at the cutting edge of breathtaking responses? Paul writes about some early churches that were living breathtaking moments in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of, of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And he's painting this picture using a great juxtaposition of words. He first talks about in the midst of a very severe trial, things were hard, things were difficult, things were challenging. And he says their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. It almost doesn't make sense unless you understand the context and the content of what it makes for a breathtaking moment to happen. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations—it's breathtaking what they did. It's astounding what they did. Their lights were shining in their ability to to step up and to respond. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord because that's where the breathtaking moment begins. It begins when we know that God is for us and God is with us. And the God who does amazing, breathtaking things all the time wants to do something breathtaking through us. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And then there's this great verse seven, really really spectacular verse. But since you excel in everything, you're, you're excellent in everything. And then he lists a whole bunch of things that they're excellent in. In faith, in your ability to believe and to build your life on things that you don't see, but you believe with, with every fiber within you. In speech, in the way that you talk, you encourage people. You are careful about how you use your words. You are careful about the selection of your words. You want your words to be edifying and good. In faith, in speech, in knowledge you want to grow. You want to grow in your understanding of God's word. You want to grow in your ability to have biblical principles at work every single day in your life, in knowledge, in complete earnestness. You're giving yourself 110%. You're all in all the time. This is something very real to you. You're aware of everything and your ability to make the commitment in the moment and in the love we have kindled in you. Just like the song this morning, that love that covers everything, that 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love that Paul wrote about where you can read that chapter every single day, several times a day for the rest of your life. And you always come away with something that, that you can hold on to, something that, that even embraces you. And in the love we have kindled in you. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. And then he says this, caps it off, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to give you sort of a a paradigm from the book Simplified today about, about different beliefs about giving. But if you walk away today and you say, well, Michael talked about giving today, then you missed it. If you walk away today and you say, but Michael talked to us about breathtaking moments and how we can live those out? How God wants to create breathtaking moments in our lives? Then you know exactly where we're going today. I kind of call this beyond Twinkie theology. It's the reality of, of the beliefs that we must have when we when we come to understanding giving in our lives. Belief number one: All I have comes from God. Everything you have—it's—it's it's the Bible's way of helping you to understand that you're a manager and a steward of everything that God has given into your life, whether it's your house, whether it's your car, whether it's your your job, the resources that you have. Everything that seems to have your name on it really has God's name on it. If we go to verses um, 10 through 16, in 1 Chronicles 29, we get this amazing prayer of David and this amazing view of God really owning everything. David's prayer in 1 Chronicles 29. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Belief number one, all I have comes from God. And the other side of this is is really interesting to look at Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, "Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Why did she do that? Because she knew it all belonged to him anyway, and she knew her life was in his hands, and she knew that that her future was based upon God's care for her, and God's love for her, and God's grace to her. So the little that she had she realized this is really not mine anyway. And so I can give this all away and watch what God does next in my life. And you see the breathtaking moment of of David announcing that as they're building this temple, it really is all God's anyway. And you see this breathtaking moment as this woman gives everything she has because breathtaking moments come out of hearts that really want to do God's will first and foremost every single day. Breathtaking moment, or belief number two. I live content within God's current provision for my life. This is about the the emotional stability of your life. All I have comes from God. That's just the truth of your life. Now, the emotional stability stability of life comes from being content. Philippians 4.11 says, Paul writes, I have learned to be content. Whether I have much, whether I have little, I have learned to be content. There's this settledness in his mind that Wherever I am, I am, and that's okay. That's where I am. Hebrews 13.5 reminds us to be content with what you have. And so in the course of your life, maybe you had a job and it paid really well. Maybe you've had another job and it didn't pay as well. Maybe you've been in a career transition. And in the career transition, there were question marks about the economic areas of your life. And God's saying, wherever you are, whether you have a whole bunch of resources, whether you have a moderate amount of resources, whether you have what you think is is a a very small amount of resources, be content with where you are because God is with you in whatever it is that you have. All you have comes from God. This is the truth of your life. Being content with whatever God's providing for you, this is the emotional stability of your life. Belief number three I honor God by giving to his purposes in the world. This is the worship posture of your life. And here I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, but I'm going to go down to verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And so what he's saying is, it really is about your heart, and it's not about trying to, to do something that you don't have, but it's about looking at what you do have, what God has put in your hands, and to do honestly before God what God has asked you to do. Uh, you know, This is where you get into discussions about... Uh, you know, how much do you give and how much should you give and is there a percent on that? And there's been lots of, of discussion about that, theological discussion about that. There's been theological debate about that. The word tithe comes into the picture. The words grace giving come into the picture. Let me read you from an article from Christianity Today that was written by John Ortberg a few years back. The word tithe means a tenth part. Tithing means 10%. For Israel, however, tithing was really only a start. There were three tithes collected from Israel. One to support priests and Levites, Numbers 18. Another for a sacred celebration, Deuteronomy 14. And a third collected only once every three years to support the poor orphans and widows, Deuteronomy 14 and Deuteronomy 26. So the actual income percentage given was closer to 23% than 10%. Tithing was never meant to be a way to pay our debt to God. It has always been a training exercise to cultivate a generous and God-centered heart. So I was listening to, to a message from Bill Hybels, uh, who's been speaking the last couple of weeks, last week and this week, about giving and generosity and understanding where you are and, and where you, you might could be. And it was very fascinating because he talked about the reality of wherever we are is where we are. And he took off the table any anxiety. He took off the table any guilt. He took off the table any debate. And he said, why not just start and not worry about where you are? Why not just start? Which amazingly echoes this Second Corinthians 8.12. For if the willingness is there... The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And he used this. He said, why not just start at 3% and give 3% and just start? And you could almost hear like this this sigh of relief in in the room. Why not just give 3% and just start there? Because if you can do that with your heart being right, if you can do that with a sense of God can call me to do breathtaking things, then you can start to do something that can grow over the years of your life. It's not about, it's never really about a percent. It's always really about your heart and your heartbeat for what God is doing. And of course, you can end up with a percent being on that because you can put a percent on just everything, but it's about More than just saying, I'm I'm going to do this. It's about saying, I know that I could start there. And I can start there with freedom. I can start there with worship. I can start there with knowing that if I start there, I can grow from there. I honor God. Belief number three, I honor God by giving to his purposes in the world. This is the worship posture of your life. And when you do that you start to change things. You start to make sure that children in Promised Land have everything they need. And and we've got lots of needs down there with kids. When you do that, you're making sure that every student has an opportunity to, to know who Jesus is and to do some really exciting things as they begin to know how Jesus can use their lives in the world like to go on a mission trip and whether that's in in west virginia or whether that's in nicaragua these kids need our support and they need our help they need us to to lift them up and to hold them up and our giving into that really changes their lives it makes all the difference in their lives the the church has so many ministry needs we have needs to to have another staff person in, in a new area of ministry and when you give to make a breathtaking moment happen You start to to move the church down the road to where it can be. Instead of kind of inching along, all of a sudden we start taking giant leaps because everybody understands what it means to live a breathtaking moment in the way that they worship God. All I have comes from God, the truth of your life. I live content within God's current provision for my life, the the emotional stability of life. I honor God by giving to his purposes in the world the worship posture of your life. Belief number four, I save something for something. This is simply the practical reality of your life. Sooner or later, something's going to, be needed in your life. Sooner or later, you have to fix something. You have to acquire something. You have to have resources to to bridge this this financial gap in your life. So God wants you to, to be wise in that. God wants you to be a wise steward, not just of his kingdom and his purposes, but of the practical realities of your life. I save something for something. It was John Wesley that said, this is how I understand finances. This is how I understand money. Make as much as you can, Save as much as you can. Give as much as you can. It's really, really simple. Make as much as you can make. Save as much as you can save. Give as much as you can give. I save something for something. And belief number five, I live with an open ear to God's whispers. And this creates breathtaking moments. When you... Hear what God's saying to you, how you could change something, how you could make something happen, how you could jump into the gap in somebody's life, how you could come along and move the church down the field. Um, I live with an open ear to God's whispers. Jesus put it this way in Luke 6. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He's saying, when you create breathtaking stuff, I create breathtaking stuff with you, in you, and through you. In Matthew 6, the New American Standard Bible, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, hear the whisper of God saying, put your treasure in the right place. Leave her a breathtaking tip. Take care of that ministry need that the church has. Step into that area and do something wildly beyond what you thought you were going to be able to do. Matthew 5 in the message has a a unique twist on this idea. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And then there's this realization that you only get this one life. And your breathtaking moments, they count. They count so much. And God is expecting them from us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10-15. to 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Your faith in him. You're saved through him. The relationship is paramount and primary. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw... Their work will be shown for what it is. In other words, if you try to do anything that's just for yourself to show off, or you try to do anything that's just basic and perfunctory and really isn't a word of of breathtaking mission and ministry from God, it's all going to show for what it is someday. If what has been built survives, I'm sorry, it will, because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire. This this means at the end of your life, at the end of time, when when we all gather together and God sorts everything out, because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even even though only as one escaping through the flames. So God says, This breathtaking stuff is serious. You don't want to end up and and the fire hits everything that you did in your life, and it is gone. There's nothing there. Smoke and ashes. Because it was about you. It was about Twinkie theology stuff. It was about stuff that really didn't matter, and and you didn't look around, and and you had a chance. And I gave you all these opportunities for breathtaking impact. God's saying, I need you need you to do these things. I prepared these things beforehand for you to do. Step into the breathtaking moment. It reminds me of this story that I've told, you know, for 80 years of my life and I haven't even lived 80 years, but I've told it for a long time. And uh, and I told it back at the Art Center. I told it at Corporate Landing Middle School. I've told it here, but just in case you're here this morning and you didn't hear it, I'm telling it for you, okay? So it's one of my favorite, favorite stories. It's about this this Pastor, and he's been speaking to his congregation for a long time. And he got to a point where he kind of checked out. And, and he was getting these little dry, brittle three point sermon messages out of a book somewhere. Uh, and, and he would get the three points and have them on a piece of paper. And he'd take it up, he'd lay it down, and he'd tell the people. And the people were bored. And he was bored telling the people these brittle three point messages. And he got so overwhelmed this one Sunday morning. He said, Oh, God. I'm so sorry that I've descended to this level of mediocrity. I will not do this anymore. I will not do this anymore. I will not do this to you or to these people. I'm going to leave this brittle, dry, dead message here. I'm going to walk to the pulpit. And when I get there, if you don't give me something to say, I'm not going to say anything. Just give me something to say. And so he leaves the message. He's a little anxious as he walks to the pulpit. He gets there, and he says this. This church... This church is going to be everything that God wants it to be. It's got to be like the man who got up off his bed and walked. This church has got to learn how to walk. Somebody in the back looked up and said, we have a guest speaker today. There's there's somebody up there speaking with some emotion. And who is it? It's our pastor. And he said, let it walk, preacher. Let it walk. And he got so excited because he got a response. And people are like looking up. He said, this church, if this church learns how to walk, then this church has got to be like Elijah when he went running off of Mount Carmel. This church has got to learn how to walk, then this church has got to learn how to run. People are starting to get engaged now. They feel his heartbeat. And somebody over on the right side of the church said, Let it run, preacher, let it run. So he kept going. He said, This church, once this church learns how to walk, once this church learns how to run, this church has got to be like the eagle that Isaiah writes about. It's got to be like an eagle that rises up with wings and learns how to fly. And somebody in the back said, Let it fly, preacher, let it fly. And he just it just grabbed him. The emotion and the moment just grabbed him. And he said, If this church is gonna learn how to fly, it's gonna take a lot of effort to learn how to. How to fly. A lot of commitment to learn how to fly. A lot of vision to learn how to fly. It's going to take a lot of money to learn how to fly. And everybody in this congregation stood up with one voice and they cried out, let it walk, preacher. Let it walk. Twinkie theology is always saying, let it walk. And God's always saying, we can fly. And you have to make that decision that There comes a moment in your life to live in the breathtaking opportunities that God presents to you in the moments that God whispers to you. Do this. Go ahead. It'll be great. It'll take somebody's breath away. All I have comes from God. I live content within God's current provision for my life. I honor God by giving to his purposes in the world. I save something for something. I live with an open ear to God's whispers. And I would have said, not going to be a letter here today for this. And I was surprised because at the end of the day, there was. Dear friends, giving has always and will always be about the heart. It's a recognition of who owns your heart through grace. Giving works with numbers, but it is far from a numbers game. A heart moving toward me is a shining light. A heart listening to my whispers creates breathtaking moments that change someone's world. I've given each of you opportunities to grow in the grace of giving. Giving multiplies exponentially by growing. I want you to be more aware of ministry needs right in front of you. I want you to be more aware of the mission projects around the world. I want you to be more aware of your need to anchor every day in humility and generosity. Trust me, I will give you everything you need. Trust me, I will get you to the something mores of your life to bless you. Ultimately, I will get you to where I am, and we will look at everything you gave yourself to for my sake. Everything else will be dust and ash. Your acts of giving are about loving and worshiping me, and also about the fullness of how much I love you. I demonstrated the essence of giving by the life of my son who fully gave himself for you. You will never outgive me, but you can create breathtaking moments to give the world an astounding picture of who I am. Keep giving your hearts. Keep growing. You will always find your treasure there. I will whisper your name, God. Dear Heavenly Father, allow us to be men and women who get excited about your whispers Allow us to be men and women who are passionate about creating breathtaking moments. Allow us to be men and women who, who own with you the kingdom of God's work in the world today. Oh, Father, give us shining opportunity upon shining opportunity. Open our eyes. May we have the vision to see everything that you see. And may we have the ears to hear your whisper as you call us in to the breathtaking moment we give our lives to you again today in jesus name amen